Slow vaccine rollout certainly has opened our eyes to the need for more independent domestic production of pharmaceutical drugs, but it is not just the vaccines that are an issue in this country. There's an interesting new study out by the Fraser Institute that reveals that we wait here in Canada 15 months longer than our American and European friends to get urgently needed life-saving medications. And not only are drug approvals dragged down by what we already know is a very bloated bureaucracy, but, you know, Canada has grown a reputation among big pharma as not being interested in innovation and made clear that it doesn't want to invest in drugs because we want the cheap stuff so that politicians can go out and promise things like pharmacare. So I think we've gotten to a point where a lot of companies simply just say, don't want it. Baka Barua is an associate director at the Center for Health Policies and did this study for the Fraser Institute. It is good to have you with us. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I may have conflated a whole bunch of issues, but I think it's interesting when we talk about it because it is a really complex issue. And I don't think a lot of Canadians know that when it comes to pharmaceutical drugs, Canada does not get the best of the best. And, and our choices um, are getting even smaller, uh, you know, as we move forward. Yeah, you know, as you as you mentioned, over the last year, I think there's been um, an increased interest and in understanding of why it's important to look at um, what our regulatory agencies are doing, how long it takes to get access to new and innovative drugs, uh, and just the, the potential of benefits that you get from from newer and more innovative medicines. Um, unfortunately, when we look at this as a larger category over the last you know six to eight years, this is the study that we uh, was conducted looking at drugs between 2012 and 2018. And it looked at 218 drugs that were approved in Canada during that time, and then looked at the comparable date for when those drugs were actually approved by the FDA in the United States and the European Medical Agency um, in Europe, and found that those same drugs that were approved in Canada were actually available 450 days earlier in those two other um, jurisdictions. So um, clearly there's a huge lag between when um, the United States and Europe get access to these new and innovative pharmaceuticals uh, in comparison to Canada, and you know, patients are really missing out on those benefits. Well, they certainly are. I certainly hear from those. I mean, if you've got something like cystic fibrosis and you have to have medications, Kaleidico is one of the drugs uh, that is extraordinarily expensive. It's not widely available. So if someone wants it, they have to basically pay out of pocket. And it's a, it's a real frustration for those that have no choice but to take this or they, they don't live. Yeah, I should I should clarify that this isn't um, our study over here is not looking at um, the coverage for pharmaceuticals, although we have done mm-hmm. other work on that as well. Um, you know, there are a number of different steps uh, to determine when a drug actually is fully accessible by a patient, um, and that includes coverage by by provincial plans or private plans. Uh, but the first step in Canada really is approval by Health Canada, um, and what we're seeing over here is that even that first step, there's a 450 day lag between when those drugs are just approved, never mind actually being marketed or, or or covered by a provincial plan in Canada versus these other countries. What is the upside, though, for these big pharmaceutical companies when you look at a country like Canada? I mean, the bureaucracy of, of health approvals, I mean, we should not take this year as a banner year. They approved the vaccines as quickly as they could because it was a world emergency. But normally, I mean, the bureaucracy has grown so large that any pharmaceutical company knows that it's going to take a long time. Um, and then there's the whole other issue that Canada doesn't really want to spend the money on the good stuff. And it sounds crass, but the pharmaceutical companies, I don't think, look at this country as a great investment. 
Yeah, you know, Canada did keep pace in terms of approval of, of the vaccines recently, although, of course, there are significant issues with, um, with the distribution. Um, but what this study is really showing is that when the world's not really watching and only, you know, the patients who are actually concerned about these medicines are waiting for, for these to be approved, uh, and then Canada doesn't actually fare as well in comparison to um, the United States and Europe. What's also interesting is that, you know, in the past, there were significant differences in just the bureaucratic delay for approving these medicines. But one of the really interesting things that this study showed was that there's actually a huge, huge delay. Almost, you know, more than 90 percent of the delay is explained by differences in submission times for these pharmaceuticals. In other words, what's happening is that these companies are not submitting their drugs for approval um, in Canada um, uh, earlier in comparison to Europe and the United States. And then that leads to all kinds of questions about why that might yeah. be the case. For sure, it might be, you know, Canada's market size. But there's a lot of research that's also talking about, well, what do our intellectual patents and property rights regimes look like? Um, what's the effect of our tight drug pricing controls? What will be mm-hmm. the effect of the, the new upcoming PMPRB uh, controls that are going to actually intensify those drug pricing controls? So, you know, there's there's you know, one legitimate question about, you know, how much a drug actually costs. But there's another one about, well, you know, what happens to a drug if it doesn't actually get onto the market in the first place? And this is showing us that for years, Canadians have had to wait longer than their American and European counterparts for access to new and innovative pharmaceuticals. And it seems um, pretty simplified. I mean, in your study, you talk about the harmonization of regulatory uh, regimes with the United States and Europe, that if Canada would just kind of, you know, do what they're doing, then it would ease a lot of the problems. I just don't see um, that happening until attitudes at the government level change. You're right. You know, I mean, I... That, that particular statistic that I talked about really is, is really an exercise in, in calculation more than something that, that I think um, I would see as politically or, or policy feasible uh, in the next year or two. You know, it, it's essentially saying if we actually were to simply accept approval by the FDA or the EMA, and, and you know, just to be clear, Health Canada's um, approval framework was actually modeled after the FDA. But if we were to just accept their, their approval of these drugs, which we anyway end up approving later, Patients over here would have access to these pharmaceuticals a full 742 days earlier on average. You know, and absolutely, there is a very real and valid role for saying, you know, drug testing is important. It's important to look at what these drugs are, what the side effects are. Um, But at the same time, we have to also think about what happens to those drugs that are delayed. What happens to those lives that are not saved because of that delay? What happens to those lives that are not improved because of this delay, which is arguably unnecessary delay because these are already approved by the same comparable agencies in other countries. So I think there is something to be learned from that. There is something to be said of, you know, let's examine whether these drugs are approved in other countries. And if they are submitted, maybe we can, you know, um, look at speeding up the, the approval times over here by at least understanding and taking into account the fact that they've been approved elsewhere. Um, but really, I think this issue is, is is a lot deeper about, you know, what is it about Canada that is right now not attractive um, for pharmaceutical companies to submit their drugs for approval in the first place? I would have to think that that is, is about the price. I mean, you know, if you've got parties that are constantly offering, you know, pharmacare for all, then obviously we're not going to get the choice of drugs nor the, the maybe more expensive drugs. So if I'm a pharma, pharmaceutical company, I'm looking at Canada and saying it's not worth it. We have, though, as you know, started talking about uh, vaccine production in this country because we got caught so flat-footed. Um, but we should, I think, be 
widening that conversation that we make more pharmaceutical companies want to come here for all drugs. And then the choice, wouldn't the choice alone um, create more competition for better pricing and then possibly fix the regulatory process? Yeah, you know, you know, vaccine production is not something that I've looked at that closely, but but I think the larger point that you're 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 making is 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 very very valid in terms of, you know, we can't expect that simply implementing price controls will lead to a situation where we still get the same degree of access to new and innovative pharmaceuticals at a lower price. We're already seeing that that hasn't been the case for the last you know, ten twenty years. Um, and to expect that an intensification of this process and even more restrictive controls um, and maintaining the same level of albeit delayed access, I don't think that's going to happen. So we, we need to remember that there is a cost for all of these you know, policy restrictions that we're putting in place and make sure that we're making the right balance of that. Yeah. Well, this uh, pandemic should be a w- pandemic should be a wake up call for all of that and more. So I find it a, an interesting study and a worthy conversation. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. It's been my pleasure to talk about this. That is Bacchus Barua with the Fraser Institute.